Previously on Myth Tarot Love, we examined the Two of Swords and the Siege of Masada. Today's show will focus on the Three of Swords and gods and stories of pain and anguish, specifically the love letter of Oinone to Paris. Myth and Tarot Where do the ideas go? Let's talk about stories, swords, and symbols and all of the Welcome to Myth, Tarot, Love, a show about ancient stories and new-aged wisdom. I'm Biddy, your expert in classics. And I'm Rose, your resident tarot practitioner. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Hope you had a good week. Yes. We're going to talk about suffering today. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind the good stuff. Uh, yeah, but like, you know, it's something that I think everyone experiences at yes. some point in their lives, mm-hmm. possibly like... All the time. time. Yeah, yeah. Um, So it's the Three of Swords, and uh, it's definitely one of those cards that is very visually striking. Mm -hmm. It's almost always... Striking, because swords. Oh, 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 I see what you did there. That's good. I mean, I did it. Ha ha. (laughs) That's good. Okay, Uh, yeah. So it's, it's actually three swords that are piercing a heart. And it's one of those images that just... You know, you might not know anything about tarot, and as soon as you look at it, um, kind of similar to death, as soon as you, as soon as someone gets this card, they kind of already have an idea of yeah. what's coming. You know what it's about. There are swords <laughs> piercing hearts. There's, there's yeah. it's quite, it's like the image of heartache, mm-hmm. if you will. Like, um, sometimes there's, the, the image of the heart's actually breaking, uh, sometimes you... Sometimes it's piercing a flower, but I've almost mm. always seen it in like some sort of heart shape um, that's being broken. Yeah, in my journey through the hidden realm, it's um, a woman holding three roses, oh, and yeah. they're like she has blood on her hand and so of the, the thorns. Holding the roses yeah. causes the hands to bleed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, in the Celtic dragon dragon tarot, there it's actually three dragons that are. Um, Form, that are joined together to form the the image of a heart, oh. and it's like they're on fire and they're yelling and they don't look happy. Cool. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of a different interpretation. Mm-hmm. So you know you've got the heart symbol or um, flower symbols, uh, but almost always there's a lot of pain when you look at the imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the Rider Waite Smith deck, it's very obvious that there's a lot of pain. Um, I I think. This is probably one of my favorite cards, just iconically, mm-hmm. um, because as soon as you look at it, there's there's rain clouds in the background. It's raining. Uh, the heart is in the middle, and the swords are piercing it uh, r- rather symmetrically. There's mm-hmm. a lot of symmetry involved in this card, and I love how simple it is. I was going to say, it's pretty simplistic, but it gets to the point. And... It gets to the point. Ha, yeah. ha, ha. <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it, it, it gets the point across really well. Um, so when someone sees this card appear, um, usually they know that it involves some sort of pain, right? Yeah. Uh, it's often related to heartache, uh, but that's, that's also because people tend to ask a lot of love and romance questions mm-hmm. to the tarot. Um, but it has other meanings. Um, I love... There's, okay, so there's there's a few interpretations. Um, one is you could always interpret this as an event. 
Um, in particular, if the card appears in a position of being in the past or the future, you can expect this to mean some sort of betrayal. That makes sense. Yeah, that it would be an event. Yeah, like in particular, if yeah. it's if it's associated with time, mm -hmm. this is kind of a time of betrayal. Um, there's not a lot of cards that specifically talk about betrayal, but in the Three of Swords, you do have very much the significance of some sort of some sort of betrayal. Um, other things it can mean is its literal interpretation. If you look at what the swords represent, the sword represents logic. Um, the intellect and power, um, and they are piercing the heart. So if you're looking at this, it's in its literal interpretation, it's um, the ways that mind can actually cause physical damage to the emotions, mm -hmm. right? Um, and how you can actually have some some physical pain and uh, how to, oh, like an over, I'm going to say, uh, dependence on logic can sometimes hurt people pretty badly uh, emotionally emotionally yeah, yeah. Um, or abuses of power as well um, so those are some of the the more literal interpretations looking at how swords literally pierce hearts mm -hmm. right um, but yeah most of the time this will involve some sort of betrayal some sort of um, some sort of way that you are focusing too much on the mind and it's hurting yourself but another way you can interpret it is, uh, I think, probably the more positive way. This is if there's not a betrayal involved or if this card appears as a helper, which it actually often does. Hmm. This card often appears as a helper, and that's because of its third meaning, which is that of sacrifice. Hmm. And sacrifice is a very necessary thing in life. It's something, um, you know, we can't really achieve anything without overcoming the associated pain involved in obtaining that thing that we're we're after right pretty much everything that you want to achieve is going to involve some sort of difficulty that needs to be overcome and that's i think probably the greatest lesson to be learned here in the three of swords is that pain is necessary mm. in some ways i kind of call this the adult card <laughs> <laughs> because uh you're learning that hey pain is necessary um when i, I think one of the best ways to uh to describe that is uh, I was doing a reading for someone who was actually talking about wanting to lose weight and asked if the tarot had anything to give her. And this card shows up, of course, as her helper. <laughs> and it's saying, it's pretty much literally saying no pain, no gain, right? Like um, the pain of working out is something that you need to be looking forward to because it's something that's unavoidable in reaching your goals, mm. right? Um, so I thought that was kind of an interesting yeah, definitely. Interesting thing that it appeared that way. And I, I've, ever since I did that reading, I've remembered <laughs> that association with this card and um, how how pain actually can be a very positive thing, even though it's something that we tend to want to avoid at all costs. Um, but there's, there's a lot of cultures that uh, also accept pain, um, or philosophies, I should say, like uh, the philosophy of Stoicism, for example, is very big on uh, the acceptance of pain and instead focusing more on virtues and wanting to do a good job and not necessarily care about, um, I'm going to say, worldly pleasures if they're not in line with your values. Mm -hmm. um, 
another another uh, philosophy is that of Buddhism. <laughs> uh, the, in fact, the very there's something called the first noble truth of dukkha. I hope I'm saying dukkha correctly, but um, it's basically this idea that all life is suffering, and which sounds like a really depressing way. Uh, to look at things, a very depressing worldview, uh, but it's actually kind of a relief because uh, if you're going through life thinking that you should be happy all the time, well, you're going to be miserable because, hey, nobody's happy all the time. Uh, and so this acceptance that life is suffering is kind of a way to first be grateful for anything good that happens to happen because they say, hey, this isn't normal. Uh, suffering is the normal thing. So if you're not suffering, you should be really grateful and happy. Um, but it also helps compassion, build compassion with between yourself and others because you realize you're not alone in your suffering. Everybody's suffering. Yeah. Every living thing is suffering in some way. So um, wanting and and compassion is essentially wanting to alleviate some of that suffering uh, between others. So. Yeah, it's kind of a, a there's 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 some positives in in thinking about life that way. I think. Mm -hmm. um, yes. So there, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think there is. I think yeah. it's also I don't know. There's something to be said about thinking positively. positively. <laughs> I I would agree. Yeah. Um. You know, perhaps there's a middle ground. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I think if like, you don't want to focus too much on the pain and suffering, because then that's just going to perpetuate more. Yeah. Potentially. Um, yeah, and I think there's different ways that it can happen, right? Like, you might look at life as suffering and be like, oh, I'm going to only focus on this, and then you're just amplifying the pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you've accepted that, oh, pain and suffering happens, it's part of life, um, maybe it makes it easier to move yeah. on from it as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then yeah, if something good happens, just focus on, on that part mm -hmm. and amplify that emotion, because uh, you have the choice. <laughs> yes. Um, anyways, uh, let's hear some, some stories of pain and suffering. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hard to pick just one. No. <laughs> I actually love stories of pain and suffering sometimes. Okay. Like I'll get into, I'll get into these moods where I just want to like watch a sad movie and cry. Yeah. That's funny. When, <laughs> it feels good. Sorry. It's not funny. <laughs> but Get some wine out. <laughs> yeah. When I'm in pain, um, I, I like to watch movies, like, when I'm in physical pain, I like watching movies of other people being in physical pain. Yeah, I don't know if it's, it's just, cathartic, like... cathartic, right? It like, kind of is. Yeah, it makes you feel bit. less alone in yeah. your pain. Yeah. I'll, I'll write sad songs. Mm. <laughs> I'll just sit yeah. alone writing sad songs and crying. Yeah, no, that'll, yeah, that'll be the time that I want to watch all the action movies or all, oh, yeah. <laughs> all those sorts of things. It's like, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, and then I come out of it, I'm like, oh, I feel better. I feel better now. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Anyways. Okay, anywho. More stories of More stories, yes. At first, I just wanted to start, I guess, with a quote from Aristotle, because I thought it was quite fitting, and, you know, mm -hmm. Aristotle, why not? <laughs> so he said, learning is not child's play. We cannot learn without pain. I would agree. Yeah. It's so true. And I thought that was very fitting with the Three of Swords. That's a, that's a very good quote for the Three of Swords, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, that anything... That, that pain causes us to grow. 
I mean, for one thing, you don't want to be in pain anymore. Right? Yes. So you have to, you, sometimes the only way to overcome pain is to mm-hmm. learn from it and grow from it. Sometimes, yeah. And I feel like we, it's not always, like, I don't think that we can only learn through pain, but I think it is a valid. I think of... they often go hand in hand. There's, I don't know. Um, personally, I, I, I get a lot of joy from learning. Me too. I'm very curious. <laughs> I feel very excited person. about learning. Yeah, I love to learn, but I don't mm-hmm. think I need to be in pain to learn. But sometimes I, I, I do feel my head hurt and I'll be like, oh, that was a good learning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was some good learning there. <laughs> but, yeah, I remember like my first, um, well, okay, second year of, of university was when I really like started learning things that I'd never heard of before mm. at, at a rate I'd never learned before <laughs> and I remember like my the front of my forehead yeah this was always in pain yeah <laughs> which is like you know uh part of the brain that does a lot of rational thinking and cognitive thought I was like oh apparently these are some brain muscles I hadn't used very much before <laughs> yeah I would always feel that way in September like after you take you know four months off and oh you yeah go back and it's like oh yeah <laughs> forgot about this muscle exactly yeah so I I think there is if you're if you're doing a some heavy learning yeah it can Mm -hmm. actually involve some some brain pain yeah (laughs) brain pain um well it's talking about some some other pains I thought we would start today um I probably could have brought this up at the beginning of our sword suit but whatever (laughs) it's okay um I thought I would mention the personified spirits of pain and suffering and grief and sorrow and distress and those are and I'm probably gonna say it wrong the allega allegia no allegia there we go I'm gonna go with that one Um, are you gonna write that on of course yes I will yeah when I look at that word I just want to call it algae (laughs) algia we'll go with that one okay um, yeah, so they were the bringers of weeping and tears. Um, they were the god, they were the daughters of strife, um, sorry, the goddess of strife, Eris. Oh. And they were all personifications of wrongdoings or negative situations, such as pain, um, fights, murder, lies, and forgetfulness. Um, there was three of them, which is why I kind of find it appropriate that in my Three of Swords, um, in the journey from the Hidden Realm deck, there are Three roses that the woman is clutching oh, in her hand. And I, then, I just got shivers. Yeah. That's so cool. It's really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. And I guess, well, I guess because it is a three of swords, and but there are three of them. So I thought, oh, that's perfect. I have to mention there's, it. There's three of these al- algae. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So their names are, and I'm going to probably say these wrong too, um, Lip, Lippy. Um, Lip- sure. Uh, the personification of pain, grief, and distress. Um, Ania, the personification of distress, sorrow, and boredom, and Atchis, uh, the personification of anguish. So, so you have like essentially grief, boredom, and anguish. Mm-hmm. Your three and pain and yeah, and all the stuff. <laughs> wow, all the not fun things. Um, so those, again, uh, we've talked about these personified spirits before. Um, I remember when we talked about Pandora. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially at the beginning of the major arcana. Um, they're they're basically minor gods and goddesses that don't really have, like, full backstories or um, they're, they're more just, yeah, personifications of thoughts or emotions or things. Ideas. Ideas, Ideas. as gods. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. That's interesting. Which is interesting mm-hmm. to think, you know, that's how they thought of these concepts. 
whenever you had a concept, it, it became some sort of deity. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, everything yeah. has a god. <laughs> Every, yeah, okay, there, there for all there is a god for everything. Yeah. Yes. Um, so now to move on to our story, I'm going to be talking um, about Oinone and Paris. So um, this is a love letter um, written. Well, okay, I'll, I'll backtrack. So Paris, the person, not the place. Yes, <laughs> definitely Paris, the person, not the place. So yeah. the Heroides are a series of love letters that Ovid wrote from the perspective of a female, normally a female woman, to a hero. Um, in this case, it's going to be a minor goddess, a nymph to a human, um, but the other ones include like Penelope writing to um, Odysseus, and they're they're um, so trying to imagine the woman's perspective. Yeah, so they're all written in the woman's perspective, and they're a letter written to her lover. Um, whether you know he's gone away, saying "Oh, I want you to come back," or I don't know. They all say mm-hmm. something a little bit different, and I don't know. I love them. I think they're beautifully written, and a lot of them are super heartbreaking. Um, I know I talked about this in The Fool, too, with Ariadne, because there's one oh, from yeah. Ariadne. That was a Thesis. while ago. A, a bare, whole year. A, a whole year a whole ago. Year ago. Um, and I'm not good at remembering these things, so I'm glad <laughs> I remember that. So, yeah, so if you go back um, and listen to The Fool, that, that's another one of these um, Herodes stories. Um, but in this one, we have, again, Paris um, as the lover, uh, in this case, and Oinone is the betrayed, betrayed right. lover. So a bit of backstory. I know we've talked about Paris and the Trojan War before. Um, this is the same same person that we're talking about here. And let me just sorry go. Yeah, so he's the one notes. that like went and stole Helen of Troy. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, but it bo- started that war. It started the war. Yeah, that led to yeah the Trojan War, all that jazz. He's also the one that made the wrong choice. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and the judgment of Paris. You yeah. know, he had to choose between um, Hera, Athena, and Aphrodite, who's the most beautiful. They would give him a prize. He chose yeah. Aphrodite, which gave, um, gave which him led the most beautiful to, woman in the world. Exactly, which yeah. led to to. Ha- Helen. Ugh, Helen. Yeah. But before that, um, Paris grew up um, basically just as like a shepherd or herdsman. He was the son of the king and queen, but there was a prophecy. They're like, get him out of here. Mm-hmm. And so they did. Um, but he was still raised um, on his own. And so that's when kind of the, the story sort of takes place. That's when Oinone fell in love with him when he was just a shepherd. He was a nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, but she still loved, you know, she she's, a nymph, she's a minor goddess and she fell in love with him. And so wow. they got married. Oh, he was married? He was married to her. And he left her? And he left her. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. So basically, he had a goddess. Like. He had a goddess, and he's still yeah. Just goes to show you can't please some people. Some no, some, some people, people just can't be pleased. No, exactly, and that comes up in the letter too, saying, "You know, I'm a goddess, and you, you, you <laughs> like you got some woman." Moral. She actually calls her a heifer, and I think oh. it's kind of really funny. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, it's pretty good. And he, wait, not only that, he had the choice of, like, being king of, like, everything or being really wise. Wisdom, by the way, was something he couldn't, was, like, the only one out of those three choices that wasn't going to be taken away. 
and he chose the most beautiful woman when he was married. Yep. <laughs> that adds a whole new dimension to this story. Yeah. He, if you didn't think he was a jerk before, <laughs> you're going to think <laughs> he is Paris, now. Man. Ex- that Paris, man. Exactly. Yes. So. Little, little swine. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so, sorry, I'm just going through my things here, making sure I start at the beginning. Um, yeah, so basically what, where this letter is written, um, Paris has gone off to get Helen, um, he's brought her back, and now all, sorry, shit's gonna all shit's <laughs> hit the fan. the fan, yeah. Things aren't good, um, so I'm gonna read little snippets here to give you an idea of, of her pain and her anguish and suffering, because... He did a lot of that Yeah, that's, that's a pretty big betrayal there. Yeah. So here, here it goes. It says, are you reading this or won't your new wife let you? Hmm. Read on. This isn't a letter from Agamemnon. It's from Oinone, your girl, with your leave, a water nymph of real renown in the local forests complaining of your betrayal. Is some powerful god opposing my desires? Am I being punished for some crime by losing you? Suffering that is deserved that is deserved should be endured calmly. Punishment that is unmerited rankles. You weren't so grand when I, a nymph and daughter of a mighty river, was content to have you for my husband. Priam's son now, you are. we were a slave then, um, though I won't suppress the truth out of difference. Though a nymph, I designed to marry a slave. We now, um, we often rested under a shady tree among the flocks. So she basically, she just goes on to say, you know, we did all these lovely things together. Mm-hmm. We chilled out. We wrote our names on a tree with a knife. Oh, and it's so romantic. All these nice romantic things. Yeah. Um, and then it says, uh, Xanthus, such as the river, um, turn, flow back, and quickly reverse your course. Paris has abandoned Oinone and can bear it. So she's like, you took off, and you're okay with and it. And you're happy. And you're happy. Uh-huh. So that day spoke doom for poor Oinone. The awful storm of blightened love began for me on that day when Venus, Juno, and Minerva, so Aphrodite, Hera, and um, Athena, mm-hmm. <laughs> who's more attractive with her armor on, <laughs> came to be Jeez. judged naked by you. Um, when you told me of this, my heart lurched in shock and a cold shudder ran through my hard bones. I was really terrified and consulted male and female elders. They all agreed that it was very bad. Um, they did a whole bunch of things. They built a ship. He went on the ship. Um, but before he was leaving, she was explaining how, you know, you wept as you left. You can't deny that. We were both miserable and mingling in our tears, which I think is really... A mm. powerful image there. Yeah, mingling in our tears. Mingling in our tears. Um, the elm wasn't clasped by the clutching vine, um, tightening as my neck was embraced by your arms. How often your crew laughed when you complained about the wind, which was favorable, uh, detaining you. How often you sent me away, then called me back for more kisses. How hard you found it to say goodbye. So, oh my ugh. goodness. Um, so, like, he, he, he actually... There's, there's this image of him actually really loving her. Yes, exactly. Um, but then the breeze came and, and the um, sails that hung from the rigid mast and your oars turned and the water turned into foam. So basically he's leaving now. Mm-hmm. Um, my sad eyes followed your sails as long as they could and soaked the sand with tears. I prayed to the sea, green sea nymphs for a swift return. Oh yes, for a swift and ruinous return. 
Um, so you came back for the benefit of another, not me. I was like, oh, my persuasive prayers helped a sinister rival. So you came back, but you came back with another, with woman. another woman, with someone else, because of someone else. Um, she says, first I saw your ship sails and I, you know, I recognized you. I wanted to come to you. Um, but then when I, when the ship reached land, I saw the woman's face. Worse than that. Um, uh, says, why was I mad enough to stay there? The slut was clinging to you, your mistress. Then I ripped my dress, beat my breast and tore my tear drink, drenched cheeks with my hard nails, filling Holy Ida, my mountain, with howls of outrage and going back there in tears. I hope Helen weeps like that, abandoned by her man, feeling the pain and suffering that she caused me. Now you've a taste for a woman who, who leave their lawfully wedded husband and sail away with you over the open sea. Because mm -hmm. she left her husband, Menelaus. Yeah. But when you were a poor herdsman, Oinone, and nobody else was your wife, poor though you were, I'm not impressed by your wealth, and I don't care about your palace or being called a wife of one of Priam's many sons. Not that he refused to have a nymph for a daughter-in-law. Not that Hecuba would have concealed our relationship. I am worthy of becoming a powerful lord's spouse. My hands could add luster to a scepter. Don't look down on me because I lay with you on beech leaves. And again, all the stuff that they did. She's recounting them again. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's sad. <laughs> basically she's saying like you know i would have made a great queen um i'm an i'm a nymph you know <laughs> like hey, i'm a goddess your parents like, would have been fine <laughs> your parents would have been fine with you marrying a goddess like, yeah basically yes um, everything was fine um yeah. yeah instead he chose someone who was you know equally unfaithful to him yes yeah. exactly and that's basically what she goes on to say, like, in mm -hmm. saying, you know, how Andromache was so happy because she was, you know, married to faithful Hector and, excuse me, sorry. Um, that makes Paris a whole lot less likable. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> yep. Yep. <laughs> Just, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and here, here's love. the... Yeah, here's the, the, the line. It says, What are you doing, Oinone? Why sow seeds in the sand, uselessly plowing a beach with oxen? A Greek heifer is coming to destroy you, your home, and your land. Oh, keep her away. A Greek heifer is coming. Wow. <laughs> yep. It's uh, true. Uh, it did end up destroying. It destroyed every everything and everyone, including Paris. Um, mm -hmm. And in the end, actually, Oinone as well. So I don't think it goes on to say this in in, in this particular letter. Particular letter um, Oinone does come to learn about um, like medicines and healing from Apollo. And when Paris is injured and struck down, he then does go to her to be like, help me. <laughs> and she was too late when she went to, to oh, help so him. So she was even going to help she him She was going to help this? him and she couldn't help him. And I I'm fairly certain that she actually ended up committing suicide when she wasn't able to help him. Oh my goodness. So she did not learn. Unfortunately, no. To not be involved with him and to just kind of let him go. Yeah. Um, even though she was suffering so much and so because of him and because of what he had done to her. Yeah. He was bad news. Bad yeah. news for everyone. Bad news bears. He was bad news bears. He was. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess... 
in this case, the suffering should have been teaching her to let him go, yeah. right? But instead, she wasn't able to overcome that particular pain and suffering and mm -hmm. was succumbed by it. Yep. Exactly. Yikes. Yeah. So, not a happy story ending, but... Um, sorry, I'm just looking. Um, you know, um, sometimes they say that if you're able to at least predict pain it can make it more bearable when it when it does happen yeah and that right. could be for her what mm -hmm. was so hard was because when he left like if he she just was, if yeah. he just left almost cleanly like a clean break forever yeah forever and that would have been different but the fact that he came back and came with, with someone, someone else, else and then died yeah <laughs> and yeah. like stayed with her for you know how long was it like 10 years so Oh, geez. Yeah. I didn't know that Helen and Paris stayed together that long. Well, the Trojan War, yeah, it was 10 years. So basically, like, nine years they were together, I'd say. Wow. Yeah. They were together for a long time. And so, there's poor Oinone. Just waiting. <laughs> watching. Just watching from, from the... Uh, Being like, see, I was the better lines. choice. You should have picked me. You did pick me. You did pick me. <laughs> we were married. <laughs> yep. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's devastating. Um... Yeah, if if you're in Oenone's position, just just let him go. Let him go. Don't 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 let them learn through the pain and the heartache and the suffering and yeah. move on. Yeah, if if you're in that much pain over someone, it's 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 time to cut them loose. Let them let them be destroyed by their heifers. Yeah, <laughs> just by their own choices. By their own choices. Everything quite... was his choice. I mean, that yeah. being said, that something could be said for fate as well, and that's an important. Well, part. he chose that fate. He had three fates to choose from. He did, but it's more again like when he was born, there was this, the prophecy. Oh, and so like too, yeah. like in that sense of I guess you can't escape your fate, um, but. Maybe, maybe, maybe. If, if he couldn't escape his fate, maybe she could escape hers at least. Yeah. By, by just not associating with that guy. Just, yeah. just pick let a him different go. dude. Just, <laughs> just leave. There are more dudes out there. Yeah, there, there are. There's yeah. a lot of dudes out there. Mm -hmm. And some of them are shitty and some of them are not. Mm -hmm. It's hard though. It's hard to, to sometimes tell at first oh, for because sure. they were in a good relationship and then suddenly he left and yeah she couldn't have known that he no. was going to come back with someone else mm -hmm. yeah so that's a good example i think of the heartbreak and anguish that can be um that can appear in when the three of swords appears uh, that can be associated um and hopefully you can learn the lesson of the three of swords and overcome the pain and anguish mm -hmm. instead of being um Gobbled up by it. Yeah. Like poor Oinoni. Yeah. Oh. Now I'm just all all sad. Okay, well, we, we can end. Now <laughs> how, are, then. how are we doing? We're, on we're, time? we're, oh, we're, we're pretty there. good. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, so, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> that depressing note. Uh, that depressing note. Well, we do still have um, <laughs> a lot more swords. <laughs> we do still have quite a few more swords. The next one is a little less painful. Okay. That's um, good. This one's more about sacrifice, right? So, if, mm -hmm. if the Three of Swords appears, there is always going to be pain associated with it. Um, hopefully, it's not as painful as Oenone's betrayal, but sometimes it is. And um, 
at least when it appears, you can start preparing yourself for it. Sometimes the thing that makes pain the most painful is the fact it's unexpected. Yeah. Right? The suddenness. So if you are um, at least aware of how horrible things can go or how painful something can be, it makes it easier to bear it sometimes Mm -hmm. when it does happen in the future. Um, So at least... So if this this card appears, and especially if it's appearing in the future, and that normally means there's some sort of betrayal that's coming. Um, so that's normally what I what I tell um, people who receive this card as a future card, <laughs> is that things there's something that's going to be really painful. It's going to feel like a betrayal. Sometimes it can even be um, just things not going your way. Um, that would be a more mild version of like mm. fate betraying you. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, yeah, it can it can be a person that you trusted betraying you, and it really, really hurts. Uh, so at least being uh, aware of it and knowing ways of overcoming it can can help lessen that burden and um, help you learn from it to the best of your abilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hard stuff. That sacrifice of the three of swords. Yep. Um, okay. So next week, we're talking about the Four of Swords. Yes, we are. And if you want to contact us, the, you know the drill. Yeah, the usual <laughs> methods are good. Um, we got e- Facebook. <laughs> yeah, we got Facebook. We have Instagram. We have email. All, all will be at the bottom of our show notes. All the social media yeah. stuff. Please um, feel free to subscribe. And any way that you listen to um, your podcast is just an easy way to get us into your ears every week our patreon subscribers this week uh get an early show they do i'm gonna so thank you for our patreon su- uh, yes. patreon supporters there we the go word. yeah so if you would <laughs> like to support us and also get maybe some exclusive content um early content you can do that on uh, patreon.com i think slash love and you will get our eternal gratitude and love and love yay, yay. <laughs> and i will dedicate the outro song to the patreon oh there we go <laughs> um yes so our our parting words for today come from the american tarot association if someone has betrayed you and you don't think you can ever love again challenge that belief wholeheartedly Don't be surprised when your heart emerges from darkness, even more capable of loving than before. Myth and tarot, where do the ideas go? Let's talk about stories, swords, and symbols, and all of the above. Myth, tarot.